are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On podcast network. You're listening to who? Always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. We got a jam-packed show. As always, Nick Piccaro of AZ Central Sports is back on. We are talking D-backs. We are talking Eduardo Escobar, Carson Kelly, the outlook for the rest of the season. So it's a full podcast today. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Locker Room because this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this Sunday to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation with Nick. Let's switch up the conversation just a little bit. Uh, what's one early season narrative that you were watching coming into the year, and how has that narrative played out so far to begin the season? Uh, well, I'm trying to think of some that we haven't already talked about because mm-hmm. I think you know the the biggest and most important one was Cattell, and if they got him back to what he was, that was really going to change everything about their lineup and about the, the them as a team um the rotation was a huge question mark for me coming into the year we've touched on most of it um but uh you know as, as you said you know they got caleb smith out of there luke yeah. weaver maybe we could talk about luke weaver for a minute um i'm still a little bit wait and see on him but i'm really encouraged by the fact that um he's been able to make it work uh fairly effectively with just two pitches um, I, I think he's always been focused on trying to find a, a slider, trying to find a curveball, And it sort of feels like the, the secondary pitch that he needed was just to not throw those pitches, so to speak, like rather than getting them perfect, he just took them away and got better. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, now again, like you don't know that, that, that he can do that over and over with just two pitches for mm-hmm. a full season. He probably can't. Um, there's not very many guys in baseball that are able to, to throw literally 99% of, of their pitches being just two pitches, which is what Luke has done the last couple of times out and be successful for a full season. It's just, it's, it takes, it takes special command of the fastball and it takes a special second pitch um, to be able to do that. Now that changeup of his is very good. And he does seem to be locating his fastball pretty well, or at least he was those, those first couple of starts, um, you know, so they've in a way they've kind of, and, and Widener, we've obviously talked about, they've got gallon back. Um, it does feel like that rotation is stabilizing a little bit. Merrill Kelly is a concern. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's really thrown well in any start yet. Um, and I, I think that his issues have sort of flown under the radar a, a little bit um, just by other things that have happened in the games that he's pitched. Uh, you know, he, he pitched, was it, yesterday i think against mm-hmm. the reds i started yesterday's game and it didn't throw that well i mean he, he really didn't um you looked up and, and the numbers were, weren't were not there for him um so 
the bright side is that he's healthy. Uh, and that's a guy coming off surgery last year. Um, but you know, if he's given up a run an inning roughly, uh, that's not going to cut it. Um, he, he needs to get better. I, I don't think he's been quite that bad, but, uh, but it hasn't been great. Well, actually, I was looking at the numbers before we hopped on the pod, Merrill Kelly's numbers, and I was surprised to find out him and Madison Bumgarner are tied for the league lead in the National League for earned runs allowed. So he, he's given up, and he's also given up more hits than Madison Bumgarner. He leads the National League in that, too. So he's tied in the National League lead with Madison Bumgarner for earned runs, and he, he he's first in hits allowed. So Merrill Kelly actually has been that bad this season. I think, you, like you said, it's kind of flown under the radar just because Madison Bumgarner, he's the big name. He's the guy that got the big contract. So he's going to take a lot of the criticism uh, off the shoulders of a guy like Merrill Kelly. But he's been right there just as bad as Madison Bumgarner this season. But Luke, we yeah, I'm surprised to see him just go with the fastball changeup. Honestly, I thought he was really working on that breaking ball during the offseason. I thought we were going to see it uh, kind of be utilized this season as maybe a weapon. Uh, try to see if it was new and improved. Instead, he's taking it away. And so far, I mean, he's been pretty good, pretty solid. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been 2019 Luke Weaver, but he's definitely been a lot better than the guy last year who couldn't even go six innings into who, uh, into a ball game. And in his, in his second to last start, he went seven innings. The first time he did that since May 2019. So I'm hoping he can continue getting better because that's a guy with, we, we all talk about it, the potential of maybe a number two and number three, you know, with real upside. And uh, we haven't seen it a lot outside of 2019, but if he can get back to that, I mean, what, what does that mean for this D backs rotation going forward? If Luke Weaver can get back to that number two kind of, kind of potential. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it kind of goes back to a little bit of what I was saying about Widener earlier. It's just that, you know, Weaver wasn't able to stay healthy. He wasn't able to maintain that stuff over multiple years. So, I mean, he really hasn't done it yet. You know, I mean, in 2019, he did it for, I'd have to look up the numbers. I think it was 12 starts. Yeah. Um, and he, he broke down in May and he had really good secondary stuff. Those first two months of that season, a good, a good slider, or maybe he was calling it a cutter at the time, a good curveball, um, but those pitches ha have kind of deserted him. So if he can get back to being that guy that he was those two months in, in 2019, it would be enormous for the Diamondbacks, but kind of where he is now, he's just such a different guy from what he was then. It's hard to compare. Nick and I will continue our conversation, talk about Eduardo Espar and Carson Kelly, but first... Let's get back into it. Yeah, well, two guys who do seem to be back to their 2019 form is Eduardo Escobar and Carson Kelly. Escobar, in his last 14 days, which is 12 games, he's batting 333 during that span, 1226 OPS, and has all six of his home runs in the last 12 games. Then Carson Kelly, on the other hand, for dudes who've played at least 10 days, uh, 10 games for the D-backs, he leads them in average 375 and OPS in 1281. So, what? Are these guys back officially? I mean, Carson Kelly, his approach at the plate, he's looked super confident up there. And then Escobar, he started the season a little slow striking out, but he, he has more walks and strikeouts in his last uh, 
two weeks and he, he just looks locked in at the plate and the way he's moving right now I know we talked a lot about his weight coming to the 2020 season and I definitely see that solid and Fogo power working for him right now because that dude is moving around the bases honestly he, he looks pretty fresh out there so how what have your uh, thoughts been about Carson Kelly and Escobar this season yeah, maybe like counterintuitively, I would say that I feel a little bit better about Escobar than I do, <clears throat> excuse me, about Kelly, um, just at least in terms of projecting it out. Um, the reason I say that is Escobar is a little bit more established. It, mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of chalk last year up to a weird year, to a bad year. He looks a lot more like his normal self. So I kind of feel like it's safer to say, yeah, he's back. Kelly, the, the concern I've always had with, with Carson Kelly is, is what happens when things kind of start to go south. It seems like he has a lot of trouble keeping it from spiraling. Um, I think that that happens on both sides of the ball. I think that when he clanks a pitch or makes a bad throw or something happens like that behind the plate, you see him make a, a couple more mistakes, maybe because he starts thinking about it. I don't know. When he starts going you know, 0 for 4, 0 for 8, 0 for 12 over a three-game span, you see it just kind of start to get worse and worse and worse. I I have, I, I don't want to take anything away from everything that he's done so far in these first few weeks. He looks awesome on both sides of the ball. He looks locked in. He looks better at the plate than I've probably ever seen him. I want to see what happens when he goes through a slump, how long it takes him to get out of it. Because uh, everybody's going to slump. It always happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, he looks, he looks really good. He, he looks like he's seeing the ball incredibly well. He, he is, uh, he's taking some of the most patient at bats on the team. He's hitting for power. Uh, he looks amazing. It's, it's crazy too, because his spring training was, was terrible. Uh, he really struggled. And I remember being on a backfield game, uh, being out, out, out there watching them play. He, it was one of those games where it's just a, an informal setting and the veterans that are back there can, can take an at bat every inning if they want. So Carson Kelly was, I believe, taking at bats for both teams mm-hmm. every half inning. So he's mm-hmm. facing different pitchers all the time. He probably got 12 at bats. Okay. I saw him go something like 0 for 9 with seven strikeouts. Something oh, It might not have been that bad. That's why I remember it. It was okay. terrible. He was getting frustrated. He was getting angry. He did eventually hit a couple of balls hard late in that game, if I recall. Um, but like he was in that game only because he had been struggling, not only, but probably because he had been struggling so much in the regular Cactus League games that he they needed him to get extra work. So it's just, it's interesting to see he's he's really bounced back from that. But again, I think it's easy when you're struggling in spring training, the numbers don't count like, okay, no big deal. I'll just shake it off. I want to see what happens when he starts to struggle in in a, in season in games that count and see him recover from it because everything that I've seen so far right now, I mean, this is a potential, uh, I mean, this is a a frontline big league catcher that can make a massive impact on it, on a team's future. If, if this is something, I mean, I don't expect him to be a 1200 OPS. Yeah. Right. 380 hitter. But if he's an above average bat for, for the position and can catch, that's, that's a huge, huge piece. Yeah. And if he just something consistently, what we saw from 2019, I, I think that's a pretty good everyday catcher. If he's a guy who's near 20 home runs and right, a guy- I agree. 
Yeah, a guy that gets on base about 35% of the time. I think that's perfect, but he does, if he does struggle mightily, you know, for the rest of the year, there is someone behind him that the D-backs do like in the Dalton Varsho. So do you think a Carson Kelly feels that extra pressure to go out there and perform with a guy like Varsho just waiting in the wings? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think that Varsho is really ready to catch um, at the big league level yet. I, I don't think the Diamondbacks think that either. Um, but I mean, just the fact that there's competition. Yeah, that, that could be a factor. Um, Carson, no, I mean, he's pretty driven. I, I don't know. I, I always, I'm never really sure how to answer that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because I, I think Carson, I think all these, most of these guys are, are really professional. They really care about what they're doing. Um, they want to be good for their teammates. They want to be good for their own careers. You know, I would like to think that that sort of thing doesn't really drive them, but, but I don't know, maybe it does. Yeah. And it could just be a subconscious thing too. Just knowing yeah. if I mess up here, uh, you know, there could be someone, my replacement could be around the corner. So you never know, especially this team really struggles. They might go toward a youth movement and then see some of his opportunity lesson with a guy like Varsho just waiting back there in the wings. But I- I've been thoroughly impressed with Carson Kelly this season. Glad to see Eduardo Escobar is back. Glad to see Ketel Marte is back and killing it because before he got hurt, he was legitimately playing like the best player in baseball. And that's not even hyperbolic, honestly. His numbers were kind of backing it up for him, arguably being the best in the game. And you know, in that small sample size he was playing. But based on what you've seen from this D back so far this season, they're nine and 10, they're a half game behind the Padres. What, what do you, how, how do you project this team the rest of the year? Do you think they have enough to maybe make a wild card run? Or are they just going to be the same old D-backs that finish around 500? Nick and I will ponder the outcome for the rest of the D-back season. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason I love Built Bar is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You get a free Cool Earth purchase while supplies last. Just use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from lockdown local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Lockdown NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th to May 1st. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it and wrap up the pod. Uh, I mean, you know, if I had to bet, I would, I would bet on it, them being, you know, that the same old D-backs <laughs> or, or worse, to be honest. Um, mm, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, but look, I, I don't think that that means that's definitely going to happen. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just telling you what I would put money on. Um, 
I, that look, they've they've got a talented group, right? I mean, if if Carson Kelly takes a step forward and and, it, and it's real, if Catal Marte comes back soon and, and is back to being the guy that he was, Eduardo Escobar continues to to perform. They've done all this without. They've gone in this little hot streak without Catal and Christian Walker, who's another big piece of their offense or was the last couple of years. Um, you know, look, Astros out. He's a disruptive type of player when he's playing. They've played well here, largely without much contributions from David Peralta, who, who finally got going, you know, in that final game against the Reds. So, you know, there, there's reasons to think like that this team can be better than what they've done so far. Um, you know, what's going to happen with Bumgarner? Uh, what's going to, you know, what, what is Taylor Widener and, and what, what, what's Luke Weaver, you know, uh, there, there's, there's lots of questions still to be answered. Um, and a lot of times these teams that surprise us, it's guys that you never would have thought uh, wind up popping up and playing big roles. And I think Widener is a great example of that. Like you said, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere in a way. Um, and here he is looking like one of their better starters. Um, so, I mean, there's just so much season left to be played. A lot you know? of season. I mean, just so much, so far to go. Um, I, I think that there's, look, as we've talked about here the last half hour or whatever, there's reasons to be concerned. Um, but there's reasons to be optimistic too. Um, I, I, I think the last week has, has made it where it's like easier to kind of like get your hopes up and get a little excited about, about the possibilities. Whereas the first couple of weeks, it looked like we were, we were in for a real long summer. Yeah. And that's just kind of where I'm at too right now. I'm just riding the high of this series win. Uh, I'm just taking it all in. I'm not trying to be overly optimistic, trying to be cautiously optimistic. You know, uh, we're probably expecting a 500 ball club. Like you said, I'm not placing any futures bets on them winning the world series. I don't need Vegas taking my money. So I'm going to keep that in my wallet. But before we wrap up here, I did want to ask you one more question that I forgot to ask in our previous yeah. conversation. Uh, we got some hindsight now. We're a couple years removed would you pull off the Paul Goldschmidt trade once again with the hindsight, you know, now, I mean, you asked me that here on April 22nd mm -hmm. after Carson Kelly has gotten off to the start that he's gotten off to Luke Weaver is pitching a lot better. Uh, Andrew young, who's come up with a couple of real big home runs in the last week um, and taken some just quality at bats. It's easier to see that, you know, there being some long-term value there, right? You would have asked me that three weeks ago uh i have been a little bit more reluctant to say that that was a good trade it's just it's one of those things that they swing back and forth wildly these deals um you know remember the first year after the after after the uh taiwan walker Cattell marte trade for uh gene segura and uh mitch hanniger like mm -hmm. i think after the first year it looked like okay this is going to work out for both sides the next year it was like wow the dynamics got destroyed in that deal then <laughs> yeah. a year later Cattell's a monster and you're like whoa the Diamondbacks actually turned out to win this trade and now like you know it's just these things take on d many different forms over over time um so I guess I'm just sort of giving you a cop-out answer of, I don't <laughs> know I mean I, I I think it looks pretty good right now um they didn't think they could extend Goldschmidt at the time um it, it does seem like Goldschmidt has kind of fallen off a little bit uh I don't think he's fallen off too much, uh, but he hasn't been, you know, that MVP caliber guy that he was for so many years with the Diamondbacks. And they got some, some young cost controlled players with upside. I mean, a, yeah, I think it, I think it worked out all right for him. At least it appears to appears to be the case at the moment.
Yeah, in terms of value, I think the value was fine for what we got on Paul Goldschmidt, seeing Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver over the last couple of years. But in terms of principle, I just don't like the idea of trading my franchise star because of money issues. I hope when Ketel Marte comes at comes to the negotiating table, you know, with the MVP shares behind him, the, the 30 home run seasons behind him, the D-backs don't get cheap and decide to trade him too because we just saw the whole fiasco in Nolan Arenado, Francisco yeah. Lindor. I'm hoping that does not happen with Ketel Marte. And he's here to stay in Arizona for the long haul because right now he could be one of the faces of you know AZ Devin Booker Kyler Murray and it could be Ketel Marte right there as a as the face of Arizona baseball so I'm hoping they keep him around for a long time Zach Allen too that guy's gonna be a face of Arizona baseball mm-hmm. I think for a long time because that dude is an absolute stud but Nick thank you for hopping on today any last thoughts before we go uh no man I enjoyed the talk thanks for having me I appreciate you now where can the people go find you if they want to look you up on social media or anything well, they should read my stuff at azcentral.com or pick up the newspaper, the Arizona Republic. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Nick Pecoro. It's P-I-E-C-O-R-O. Thanks, Nick, for hopping on. And I'll definitely have you on again in the future, maybe around mid-season. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Remember, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked on and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Luckenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at LockedOnDimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!